Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Over the course of 10 weeks, we'll see how God worked through the apostles and the early church to spread the good news of Jesus coming to save both Jews and Gentiles. Acts shows us how as Christians, we need to be consumed with the love of Christ and seek to transform our community and the entire world by the gospel. Good morning, T-Church. How is everybody? Nice day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? My name is Ben. Uh, well, my wife and I have been attending here in T-Church for about 45 years. Uh, I know, it sounds like a long time, but it went whoosh, you know. <laughs> Not all of it. Anyway, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. We will read verses 31 through 34. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. And that is our gift to you, if you do not have one at home. Okay, so verse 31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. This is the word of the Lord. May he bless you. Thank you. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ben. Fresh from the Panama Canal, this guy, you know. Him and Joe have been world adventuring. Um, so glad to have them back. Uh, before I jump into the message, I just want to take a moment to say two things. Uh, one is about Easter, <clears throat> uh, Resurrection Sunday. Um, invite cards are in the back. So I know all of you have been thinking about the five people you're going to invite. I know you have. Yeah, yeah don't look away from me now. Listen. Um, we are just so excited about the opportunity to put the gospel on display to folks who would normally, you know, they might put you off and say, I'm not going to come. But on Easter, a lot of people will come if you invite them. You know, most people will come if you invite them. Uh, a lot of us get scared and think, oh, what if they tell us no? Well, that, if that's the worst thing that happens to you today, then you're doing all right. Um, uh, but most people, if you, one-on-one, -on -one, if you invite them, they will say yes. So I encourage you to grab your invite cards today. They're back at the Welcome Center. Um, it's got all the information necessary to get them here on Easter. The address, it's got everything they need to get here at 10 a.m. on Easter. And man, we're just so excited about what the Lord has in store for that day. Um, number two, I, I just want to take a moment to... Um, for those who did not get the email or have not received um, the notification, uh, Allison Collins, who has served here since a long time, since way before I got here, um, and, and since I've been here, I've seen her serve with youth and in kids, and she has um, served so faithfully in our media booth as well. Uh, always someone, back when the media booth was upstairs, we could always count on Allison um, and she has served well, and she is such a faithful believer. Um, she leads the women's small group so um, 
consistent. She's a consistent, faithful sister in the Lord. And her husband um, had migraines for years, uh, a year or so ago, uh, found a brain tumor. They cut that brain tumor out and things were looking really good right up front. Um, but, and, and, and many of you know this, uh, when it comes to chemo and radiation, um, it does a number. It can do a number. And in this instance, Paul, um, who uh, has what helped our church during the revitalization, he showed up put, to put hands in here, and um, some of you have known him. Uh, Paul, uh, his body just gave way to those things, and the Lord took him home on Thursday. And nobody, can, can I tell you something, nobody uh, has any idea or ever plans or has any forethought that they're going to be a widow or lose their father at 61 years old. Um, and so today, I wanted to take just a brief moment uh, before we move on with our service to remember our sister, um, Harvey and Marsha are here, Marsha's Allison's sister and um, uh, also, our guitarist, Jason, that, that was his uncle. Um, so today, I, I just want to lay Allison and her family before the Lord, and I would, would you help me do that? Can we take a, t- a moment just to pray? I also want to let you know that we will be having services here for Paul um, Tuesday, uh, viewing at one, service at two, um, and so if you want to come help us celebrate his life, um, or support Allison and the boys, um, other men, um, uh, that's the time to do that. But can we take a moment and just lay them before the Lord Father today? Um, Lord, we lay before you um, something we, we could not have foreseen. We have spent time uh, asking you for healing. We have spent time uh, laying Paul before you over the last year or so. And, and God, today, um, we just recognize your sovereignty in healing him ultimately with a heavenly healing uh, by bringing him home that he is at rest. He, he, he no longer needs medicines or treatments. God, he's in your presence. And so, um, but for those who remain, Lord, today, I want to lay before you, Allison, Josh, and Zach, and the family as they grieve this loss, um, for us, what seems so early, uh, God, you deemed as uh, necessary to heal him. And, and we just trust you in that. But in the interim, God, I ask that your peace, which passes all understanding, would guard the hearts and minds of the Collins family this morning, that they would sense your presence in a very real way. Um, I would comfort them in this time of need. Lord, your word promises that you are near to the brokenhearted. And today we just claim that promise for them and ask that you would be very present in their hearts and minds um, in, in the coming days and weeks and months. And we'll just give you all the praise and glory for uh, meeting those needs and being a present help. In Christ's name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Um, You know, we sang 
you make all things new today. And I feel, I don't know, I, it is resonating in my spirit. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's tied to my message today, maybe it's not. But I, some of us, I wonder, can you remember when you needed things to be new? And I do. I remember the old things. I remember the old Carl. Um, as, as recent as yesterday. <laughs> um, can I tell you I'm a work in progress? Is that, a, is that okay to say? Is the, is the preacher, is that, is that all right? Um, and I, I was just having a, a conversation with a, a brother in the Lord just this past week. And I, Roger, I think it was you. I think we were talking at the deacon. We were planning the deacons meeting. And, and me and Roger both said, man, Acts has just been weighing on us and convicting us. And one thing we said in our meeting together was that the closer we get to the Lord, the more <clears throat> I can see in me that I am not the things that aren't of him. Sometimes I wonder if those who just live in darkness do so because they're staying away from the light. That, can I tell you, the, the more you become like Christ, the more you grow towards him, the more it will reveal in you the things that are not of him. And you won't have a tolerance for it. That's what it means to be a believer. And so today I'm just, man, I'm just thankful for brothers and sisters. Aren't you glad to be in his house? Amen. Let's recap for a second, um, because what I'm talking about remembering um, that God makes all things new, we're going to see in uh, dynamic form today. We're going to see three transformations of three individuals. One of them, I think you would say, okay, that makes sense. The other one, you're probably going to think, I don't know, Carl, that's wild. And then the last one, you say, there's no hope for that person. But what we talked about just two weeks ago was that the mission and the message of the good news of Jesus Christ has no borders, including your past. Um, and then last week, we talked about the fact that the gospel is sufficient to, to save. That, that we as Christians, we don't need to set up any other hurdles. Um, what we do is we, and, and you see this all through the book of Acts. What is it? The gospel, we are obedient to Christ in um, declaring the good news wherever we are. The spirit falls, people believe, and then they repent and are baptized. That is the rhythm all through Acts. And it starts... It starts with our obedience in declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that he has come to save sinners. Um, we don't, and, and all the other things, what do you mean other things? Learning to love reading your Bible, creating rhythms of prayer in Jesus' time in your life. Um, uh, the, the internal change becomes more external that people can see over time as we draw closer to the Lord. It's called sanctification, okay? That's what that's called, becoming more like Jesus, getting closer to the Lord. 
And so the gospel, though, is sufficient to save. So it's not Jesus plus. Not Jesus plus you wear the right outfits or Jesus plus um, you get your act together. Uh, It's the gospel saves, Jesus saves, and Jesus alone. By grace, through faith, that's it. And it is that saving faith that transforms us from the inside out. So the gospel is sufficient. Um, Since, okay, so he went on his first missionary journey. We talked about that, right? Uh, Went on his first missionary journey. We got to about 48 AD. And then um, it's been about five years. How many of you remember five years ago? Yeah. Some of you can't remember what you had for breakfast this morning. Uh, Asking you about five years ago is a little tough. (laughs) Um. You know, five years ago, Kirsten and I came here. You know that? You know what we celebrate this month? Three years ago, um, March of 2019 is when, when God led us to relaunch the church. And then one year later, literally one year later after uh, the Lord did, you know, was working and moving, he continued to work and move through COVID because one year after the relaunch, we hit COVID. Um, and then it's been a couple years of craziness. One thing that has not stopped, though, is the spread of the gospel. A pandemic can't keep the gospel down. War cannot keep the gospel down. There is no hindrance. The grass will wither and the flowers may fade, but the word of the Lord will continue. This is good for you to know. Um, So, it's been about five years and he's going on his second missionary journey. Okay, how many of you have been on a missions trip? Have you been on a missions trip? Anybody? Raise your hand. Be proud. There you go. Praise God for you. We're doing a missions trip, a local missions trip in August. There's your plug, Ian. It's, I'm already starting to, uh, we're doing some local missions. We went to Memphis last year. We're going local this year. And I think next year we might even look overseas. So um, Paul and Silas have launched on their second missionary journey did I happen to get that map to you in time, Corey? Do we have that map? Look at that. It's way prettier than last week's. I, found, I had to do some digging to find this one. So just to give you an idea of where we are, and I don't have a laser. Um, actually, hey, Ian, can you grab that projector remote, the big gray one, and bring it up to me? It's sitting right up there on the ledge. So... On the right-hand side, down at the bottom right of the screen, you see Jerusalem and Judea. That's Israel. So that's to give you kind of where we're talking about. This is Israel right here, and where they're launching from is Antioch. Um, And so I'm going to use the, I forgot this thing has a laser on it, so let's let's see if it works. Let's see if it works. Here we go. Look, can y'all, look at that. You see that? Some of y'all are blind as a bat anyway. I don't know why. Y'all can't even see it's a map. <laughs> Is that the Wendy's menu? No, it's not. <laughs> y'all got to pull it together. Act like you're in church for a minute. 
All right, so for those with eyesight, um, <laughs> this is Antioch right here, okay? And this is where they launch from. And so they're actually going to check on a couple congregations that they've been to. And so they go over here to Tarsus. Uh, you remember Tarsus, that's where Paul was converted. Um, here's Derby, Lystra, Iconium. You see these words. So I want to give you these pictures for one reason. As you read through the text, Right here in 16, it says, Paul went to Derby and Lystra, okay? That's right here. This is modern-day Turkey. Yeah, I know, I know it's yes. I just want to make sure y'all know. Some of y'all, wake up! Some of y'all, y'all just aren't interested. Okay, that's fine. So... They, they're traveling through here, we, and so we pick up in 16 from where we la left off last week in 15. And I'm just going to give you some summaries because I need to move through 16 and 17 today. Uh, the first thing that happens in 16 is it's Paul and Silas. They're on their missionary journey. They find themselves a friend named Timothy. They show up um, right there in Lystra, okay? And they find a guy named Timothy, and everyone says Timothy is a great Guy, He's a great follower of the Lord, um, Jewish mom, Greek dad. So a believing Jewish mom and probably an unbelieving Greek dad. If you've got a, like a screwy family, okay, Timothy comes from one. So you are welcome here. Um, Greek dad, Jewish mom, a believing mom, probably an unbelieving dad. We don't know that for sure. Um, but Timothy, either way, uh, has a reputation. People spoke highly of him. And so they spoke highly enough that Paul said, hey, why don't you come with us on this trip? I don't know if Timothy, have you ever been on a trip and you just didn't know you were signing up for something? I could bring up about three trips with Woody Jones. <laughs> I had no idea what was that's what Timothy was signing up. So, so in verses one through five, we see him pick Timothy. They actually make Timothy, Paul has Timothy circumcised, um, which based on our last messages, you might think is weird. But what Timothy, or what Paul did not want is he knew he was about to drag Timothy who had a, a Greek dad and a Jewish mom. So he was Jewish. My dad is white. My mom is Native American. 100%. I am 50%. I'm like Chuck Norris, Native American. <laughs> 50%. You don't believe it? Let me get my, I got a card. My father-in-law makes fun of it. I got, a, I got a card. I'm a member of the Chickahominy Indian tribe. But I'm Native American. Okay, so... This guy, Timothy, is Jewish. I don't want to spend too much time here, but he ends up getting, he wasn't circumcised. And so Paul did not want any hurdles for him in the synagogues um, as they go and preach. Um, so Paul, for whatever reason, based on this text, would say to be a good Christian doesn't mean you need to be a bad Jew. Okay, so he doesn't, he, he separates the two. Um, and so they pick up Timothy and they go to evangelize Europe. Now, this is the first time. They've been to Europe. This has all been Middle East, Turkey, um, spreading out right here from Jerusalem. It all started out down here, and it has made 
all the way up here, all the way up into Turkey, and now they're headed towards right here. You know what this is up in the top left corner? That is Greece. That is Greece, and so that's where they're headed. Um, in 6 through 10, we see this really cool experience where um, Paul wanted to go these two different places, and the Holy Spirit said, I don't need you to go there. Don't go there. Now, doesn't that sound odd? I read the text and I thought, man, that sounds weird. We're going to take the gospel, right? We're doing good things. But the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go here. So Paul's like, okay, well, I'll go here. Well, I'm not going to go there either. Um, The Spirit guided him. God guides him. And, And this tells me something. God takes us where he has a plan for us. Um, God is guiding our very steps. Um, and I think it's very important to be sensitive to that, uh, that you are where you are because God has put you there. Your home, your workplace, your circle of friends, God has put you there for a purpose, that purpose being putting the gospel on display. You may think it's for bowling. It's not. Let's put the gospel on display. You may think it's for pickleball. I'm trying to hit all my recreation folks in here. You may think it's for bluegrass music. Y'all know who I'm talking about already. Look, (laughs) it's not. He's put you in those circles to put the gospel on display. You think I just cut grass? No. When I show up to a customer's house and we happen to get into a conversation, you know what comes up? The Lord. The Lord. I don't just cut grass. I'm a missionary on a mower. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to shout. That was the Holy Spirit. I didn't, that's not my notes. <laughs> God guides us. God guides us. He does. And we see that in 6 through 10. We're not meant to go everywhere. He wants us to go somewhere. He has somewhere for us specifically to go. We can't do everything. It may have, I don't, it doesn't say why the Lord didn't have him go there. Some of us get caught up in, well, I need an explanation. No, you don't. The Lord does not owe you an explanation as to why he does or doesn't have you do something. You just be obedient. And that's what Paul was. We see that in verse 10. He had a vision. He immediately made efforts to set off for Macedonia because he had this vision. Uh, So he was obedient. And then we get into these three people that I was talking about. Uh, uh, Just a couple examples here. Have you ever heard the, the name David Livingston? He's a missionary. You know where he wanted to go? China. You know where the Lord sent him? Africa. William Carey, have you heard this name? Yeah, some of you don't. If you don't know these names, you need to look them up. Incredible individuals. William Carey was a missionary. You know where he wanted to go? Polynesia. You know where he ended up? India. Adoniram Judson. You know where he went? He went to India. You know where God guided him? Burma. God is, so I'm not saying God's taking you to Burma. Now, he may be, but I'm not saying that for sure. But wherever he has put you is where he's placed you. Wherever he's put you, he's placed you for a reason.
I need to stop. I need to stop for a second. When, when Kirsten and I were walking through all those miscarriages, he placed us there to put the gospel on display. Did he cause us to miscarry? No, that is not what I'm saying. So don't, don't misunderstand. But what I'm saying is I could choose to look at that and say, man, the Lord, the, the Lord has forgotten me. He's derailed my whole life. But he, as we walked and we were just trying to be obedient to him, he put us there for a reason. He placed us in this path. He allowed this to happen. And we were able to put the gospel on display in ways we would have never been able to. And he designed and wired us to do it. Please, no matter what area, whether you're sitting in the doctor's office. If you're sitting in the middle of a a family situation, you don't know how to get to the ends of. Listen, you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason. Put the gospel on display. Put the gospel on display. Okay, let's, let's move on. In 11 through 15, we meet this lady named Lydia, okay? Um, so here's where we've gone. Uh, they've gone from Lystia, uh, Lystra right here, Antioch. You follow the red line. Can y'all at least see the red line? Okay. <laughs> oh, they get over here to Trous, okay? Um, and then they get all the way up here in Greece, so they are now in Europe. Lydia, by, by, uh, if you didn't know this, Lydia was the first European convert. Yep. Right here, Greece and Philippi. Um, uh, if you look at 11 through 15, we meet Lydia. A couple things it says about her, okay? Uh, we stayed there for several days. Uh, verse 13 says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We, spoke, we sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. First, um, how cool is it that the first European convert is a successful um, from what we, we don't know, but from everything we see here in the text, single woman, businesswoman. And a, another thing I will point out here is a, just because you're God-fearing doesn't mean you're saved. She was not saved at the point she was God-fearing um, because her salvation comes later. The Lord opens her heart later. She was operating in a God-fearing status. So this is what it says about her. Number one, she was a dealer in purple. Um, this just means uh, different dyes and things. She had a business. And, it, and um, uh, this whole area right here um, was full of, of uh, people who sold dyes and things like that. So it's a very successful woman. She had her own household that she ran um, I don't have a whole uh, you know, a time to preach all about Lydia, but what I can tell you is she's successful, she's smart, she's God-fearing, which means she's rejected the current culture of Rome. Rome would have you believe in all types of gods and all different types of things. She has rejected that. And she's going down here to the river with these other Jewish ladies. Now, the reason they weren't going to the synagogue 
Um, in this time, culturally, if there were not 10 Jewish men, you could not have synagogue. So here's a committed, faithful group of women meeting down by the river to pray. I think I've heard a song like that. Yeah. Um, and they are praying. Um, and I love this part. Uh, at the end of 14, it says, uh, after it talks about Lydia a little bit, um, the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. This is what happens. This is what happens. We declare the gospel. The Lord opens hearts. We declare the good news of Jesus Christ. The Lord opens hearts. Or, or he doesn't. But either way, it is the Lord who opens the heart. This is oftentimes why we pray. God, give us open hearts. Get, when we start to hand out these invite cards for Easter, I hope your prayer is, God, open their heart. The Lord is the only one who can do that, by the way. You can't open someone's heart. The Lord can. The Lord is the only one who can take someone from life or from death to life. Um, and so she gives her heart to the Lord. Um, and then her and her household were saved, baptized. Her household isn't like some of the households you would think of. Uh, you may think of mom and dad and a couple cousins or something like that. Uh, in this time, uh, she would have had her own house with her own servants, with her own staff that were running the house. This was a different type of house. So all of these people were saved and baptized. And she said, y'all come stay at the house. Um, and that's exactly what they did. You may have this testimony. Tell me if you've known a person like this. And you may have, and God may have saved you from this. Morally, culturally speaking, decent person. Okay, um, God-fearing, so they probably maybe attend church or loosely affiliate with Christianity. Um, but generally speaking, someone would look at you and say, hey, there's a, there's a cleaned up person. They're sharp. They've got things going for them. They're somewhat successful. And, um, and uh, you know, they're just a good person. That was not enough. That was not enough. She needed to be saved. The Lord opened her heart. He saved her. Some of us, that, that, that might would be our testimony today. I'd make you raise your hand, but I doubt you'd do it. So I'm just gonna move on. Um, but you may know someone today. How many of you know someone today who you would say, man, they're a decent person? You know, they work hard. They, they love people and but they have no fruit of knowing the Lord. They, they don't serve the Lord whatsoever. How many of you would know people like that? I know people like that. Yeah. Invite them to Easter. Okay, that's the, f see, I just helped you. All right, let's move on. The next one's a wild story. So they, they finish with Lydia. They hang out for a while. And then they come across uh, who the Bible calls a slave girl in um, uh, in 16, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Some of your versions are going to say she had a spirit of divination. Old school term. So this young slave girl 
could tell the future. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been to a fortune teller or palm reader um, while you were on vacation and you thought nobody was going to know about it. Well, the Lord is, he sees you now. Um, you didn't think he was ever going to come up again, did you? Yeah, uh-huh. Look, some of y'all are nervous now. <laughs> okay. So she could tell the future. And what she was doing, just long story short, she was following Paul, Silas, and Timothy and being like, these guys are the real deal. The Lord has sent them. And and here's what she said in exact terms. Um, She said, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this many days. She was heckling them. She was chasing at, I don't Do you know any annoying people? Don't raise your hand. They just don't know when to stop. Well, Paul gets irritated. Paul gets irritated. He was greatly annoyed, the scripture tells us. And he turns around to this young slave girl and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. And it came out right away. He cast this demon-possessed slave girl. So let me give you the right picture. There were some folks who had enslaved this girl who was demon-possessed for their monetary gain. They were making money off of her. And if you think that wickedness just existed in Scripture, it still exists to today. And it's six minutes from here. There's all kinds of wickedness that we refuse to see. A lot of brokenness we don't want to look at because we don't want it to impact us and our lives and our convenience. Paul, this girl is shouting them down day after day. And Paul says, get out of there. The demon leaves and he makes the owners mad. The owners are now ticked off. They have no way to make money. The Bible doesn't say if she gave her heart to the Lord. It doesn't say she believed. It doesn't say she repented. This slave girl. Um, it doesn't say any of that. Based on that, and I'm not going to go fully into it because it's I am running out of time and I'm supposed to go into 17. I might not. Maybe I'll do it tonight. Um, but based on Matthew 12, if you were to go to Matthew 12, Jesus talks. Uh, it's somewhere in the 40s. Uh, Chapter 12, somewhere in the verses 40, something, something, something. Jesus talks about how demons operate. And that when, de- when a demon leaves a body, and if you're one that you don't believe in the demonic, um, you haven't walked out your front door in a while. Um, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Listen, um, there is spiritual warfare going on all the time whether you choose to recognize it or not. Now, um, I believe this, this girl um, believed on Christ that day, and I'll tell you why. The de- the, based on Matthew 12, demons, when they leave a body, they ha- something has to fill that space again. And whatever it was couldn't come back. Because the, uh, their owner said, realized they weren't going to be able to profit from her anymore. Something filled the space that the demons left. And um, I, I, I believe that to be the Lord. I don't know that to be for sure. 
but I truly believe it because they were very angry that they could no longer use this girl in this way. Um, and so they uh, rallied a bunch of folks and got Paul um, and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace. Um, and they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They're Jews. And, and they made a bunch of, bunch of accusations. Can, let me say this before we move on to the next part of this story. These owners are upset. And I just, I want to live a life. And I, maybe you would feel this way too. I want to live a life that as I um, am on the path to putting the gospel in every dark place, that I am bankrupting the devil in the process. I would love to hear more and more stories coming off Jeff Davis about how the gospel invaded a hotel room and all of a sudden a pimp or a drug dealer is out of business. This is what the gospel does. And, and if we make room for it, bankrupt hell in the pursuit of gospel gains and leave a wake of freedom behind me. Everywhere the gospel goes in the book of Acts, there's a wake of freedom. And I don't know if you need freedom like I've needed freedom. But today, there are folks who need freedom. And the gospel does that. Look at... um, I want to introduce you to the jailer real quick. So they get thrown in jail. Now, if you've followed us through the book of Acts, um, you've, you've, you've seen people be thrown in jail a few times. Now, how many of you have been in jail? No, don't raise your hand. I've asked this in the past. I've done this a couple times now. I'm waiting for one of you to slip, like get real excited about it. Um, <laughs> um But hey, if you've been in jail, that's okay. I'm down. The gospel, because look, we're about to see the most epic worship service in history. They throw them in jail. So look, if if you've been to jail, it's okay. Paul and Silas went to jail. Maybe for different things than you. But nonetheless, um, the gospel redeems all of that. The gospel redeems all of that. So they, they get thrown in jail, and it's one of the most incredible pictures I've ever seen. It, about midnight hits, okay? And it says, Paul and Silas, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were locked up in stocks. Mean jailer, okay? I, I don't know what they were singing. Probably back then, it could have been something out of the Psalms, I don't know what hymn they were singing, but but if they were to sing it today, they might would have been singing, King of glory, fill this place. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. I can almost hear them singing it in the dark. It's not light in there. Dark, dungy, dirty, locked up. Something these walls, the walls of this prison have probably never heard. And they began singing praises to God. And the Bible says there was an earthquake. I started to get an earthquake soundtrack. Because I was going to scare the tar out of all of you. 
because I figured about this point, you were going to think about Wendy's. And I need you to stay connected because there's some freedom to still be seen. The earthquake breaks out. Chains fall off of all these prisoners. Can you imagine being a prisoner in the next block? Like you just killed a dude and you're sitting next to these guys been preaching the gospel and they're over here singing? Weird. Chains fall off. The jailer realizes, man, I'm in trouble. I can give you all kinds of history on this jailer. Jailers were... um, well-decorated soldiers that were given over to run these jails. These were brutal dudes for Rome. And Rome was brutal. Don't, Don't think U.S. government. I'm talking these people were vicious. And so for him to be running this jail, he was a vicious dude and had seen some terrible things. And one of the rules in Roman government was if you were a jailer and um, your prisoners got out, you had to serve the same sentence. You had to serve the sentence that you were supposed to be handing out. And so the jailer, earthquake, realizes all the the gates have flung open. And the jailer says, I'm just going to fall on my own sword. I'm going to kill myself. And Paul shouts out from the darkness and says, uh, right here in 28, it says, don't harm yourself because we're all still here. We're all still here. And you know what, you know what spoke to me in this moment? Everything about this particular circumstance. Think about it. You've been thrown in jail. The Lord sends an earthquake. All the gates are open. Your shackles are off. What does the circumstance say to do? Get out. But something overcame the circumstance. And what was that? Compassion. Love. He had not preached an ounce of gospel to this jailer yet. He hadn't said nothing. to. In fact, this jailer was the one who probably had just handed him a beating earlier. And Paul says, no, hold on. Don't hurt yourself. We're still here. And the very first question. After being showed compassion probably for the first time in his whole life. He says, sir, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to close with this. I I can't go any further. I've run out of time. I'm going to cover 17 something. I think the Lord is going to shut us down right here. And I'll tell you why. I wonder. I wonder how people would respond if we led with compassion. Look at this text. Don't miss the obvious here. Paul had not declared the gospel to this jailer one time. Earthquake had come. Things were falling apart. The jailer thought his life was over. And the people who were freed, he had just finished beating. And instead of running away, instead of being guided by the circumstances, Paul was guided by compassion and love. He said, don't harm yourself. We're still here. This jailer 
says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says what he's been saying the whole time. Believe. And this is what uh, Brother Ben read earlier today. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in the house. And washed Um, He took them the same hour, he being the jailer, he took them at the same hour of night, washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into the house, set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his whole house. I cannot imagine I oftentimes wonder what would be, uh, someone asked me once, what would be better than heaven? Have you ever been asked that question? Look, being a pastor, I get asked all kinds of weird questions, and that's not the weirdest of them. And I heard a, I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, He said, the the only thing that comes to his mind, he doesn't think there's anything better than being in the presence of Jesus. But the only thing that could make it any better would be to look around and see his kids. To see those who were lost in his family standing next to him in the presence of God. When I get there, when I get there, I want to see you when I get there. This isn't a text about heaven, but what it is a text about is that this jailer was so glad that the Lord not only saved him, but saved his whole house. And we've been praying all year that God would start revivals in our families. I wonder who needs to know him in your family today. Who needs to know him in your house? When I think about that, it makes me think the the reverse. We'll be worse than hell. What if I kept it quiet? if I just said, hey, you know, uh, it's good enough for me and that's it. I can't imagine a worse feeling than to hear the screams, the gnashing of teeth from those I felt or deemed unworthy to hear the gospel. You may have the testimony of Lydia today, or maybe the slave girl, maybe just in the path of the gospel, you you were freed from something. I, I don't know. Maybe you were the jailer. But whatever your testimony is today, something very clear every time they display the gospel is that this is for you and everybody around you. think about Easter, as I think about next week. Heck, don't, I'm not, don't wait till Easter. If they'll come next week, get them here next week. 
I don't want my life, if I were to die tomorrow, I would want to know that I have taken steps forward and brought people along with me. That I have grabbed the hands of those I felt worthy and unworthy. Those who have I, I felt have deserved it and those who didn't. And just kept moving forward with the gospel. Determined that the gospel is for everyone. If it can be for Lydia it can be for the jailer and Paul who would later say I am the chief of sinners it can be for you and your household as well so if I had one declaration for you today I would tell you believe repent and you will be saved you this is for you and your household I think we need to take some time and pray. They're going to sing. I want you to stand to your feet. I believe God is laying on your heart in this very moment. People you need to begin inviting and sharing the gospel with. I want to pray for them right now. Father, today. We have determined that your word is true. Your spirit is speaking to us today. That if we believe and repent we will be saved and we want to share that message that no matter where our family members or our friends or our circles or our workspaces wherever they find themselves there is nothing there is nothing that they can't be saved from help us today God, as, as we pray for those in our hearts right now, as we pray for those who we're going to be inviting in the coming weeks to get to church, to hear the gospel, that our, the gospel would be displayed in our own hearts, in our own minds. And, and Lord, help us to push us towards those things. Let us not stay stagnant in it, but let us take all that you have done in our hearts and overflow it onto those around us. And that by your Spirit, there will be a wake of freedom left behind. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.